This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Sometimes it's so easy to be a part of the flow and react every single minute. Like if we as individuals, as a part of a community that wants to move forward, I think we all have to do the due diligence of asking, well, what do we want to do with this? Where do we want to go? How do we want to bring collectively our community, our people around us. And it's not to say we're ignoring by any means all the things that's happening, but we recognize that it's also a larger systemic issue that has perpetuated for aeons and aeons, talking about school shooting, racism, discrimination, all these things. While we do see individual instances where it surfaces and comes to life, we also acknowledge that This is a very large thing that I think requires also a large conversation. Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is the show about work and life told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Raman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin, or who you love. We're all minorities somehow, but we're no one's model minority. This is a show about all of you, for all of us. So how's your spring going? Is it spring? It feels like we're moving straight into summer. <laughs> well, I do think all the allergies mean it's spring, which is where you're... <laughs> all right, so my wife, when we go up for a walk, <laughs> she actually wears her mask. And I'm like, you're an Asian woman in a white neighborhood. <laughs> but she's like, it helps with my allergies, though. So, that's, a, uh, that's an innovative way to use a mask. <laughs> <laughs> it helps. Uh, but, you know, I think summer's here. The bugs are here. It's, oh, uh, no. What, wait, what? Oh, no, you scared of bugs? No, but this is this is starting to feel like a cheesy intro script for a very special episode to promote whatever it is we're promoting. <laughs> no. Come on, Raman. How many Get Your Vaccine episodes can we do? All right, look, these podcasts don't edit in social media themselves, right? Uh, they require some of that sweet, sweet sponsor money. Dude, I've looked at our budget. We're barely making this work. At this point, we might as well classify ourselves as a nonprofit. Yeah, but is that why we do this? I mean, didn't you hear what we talked about during our 200th episode? Technically, it was our 201st episode. Touche. But look, we know, I think we accept that this is hard, worth doing, and bigger than us. We got to keep going. Hmm. Good point. Hey, Steven. Hi, friends. Listen to that voice. That is a voice. (laughs) (laughs) Long time friend of the pod, fellow podcaster and mindfulness advocate, Stephen Wakabayashi. Welcome back to Modern Minorities, my friend. Thanks for having me. And one, congrats on passing the 200 milestone for podcasting. And really excited to talk about how we can potentially continue collaborating. 
So as you might remember from Remen and my bicentennial episode, we wanted to start expanding the Modern Minorities family. And along the journey, we've gotten to connect and collaborate with a ton of amazing voices, like the one you just heard, from the Modern Minorities community. And Stephen has been among our favorite new friends along the way. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, beyond, again, good lord, that voice. Uh, Sharon, I think you've got competition. Uh, versus my nasally inverted vacuum cleaner. Uh, but as you might remember, Stephen hosts this really amazing podcast that I've come to love called Yellow Glitter, which is about mindfulness through the eyes and soul of, of a queer Asian perspective, where Stephen talks about topics around racial identity, queerness, activism, and life. But also podcasting is really hard work and hitting your milestone. I just hit, uh, I forget actually a number, but definitely not in the triple digits. And I don't know how you both do it in and out. It's <laughs> a lot so of much creative. <laughs> yeah, a lot of uh, <laughs> hustling, uh, getting creative with maybe re-airing episodes or friends episodes. <laughs> I don't know either, man. And we like to get a little help from our friends. Beatles reference for the win. <laughs> yeah, and I just remember the first time I was on. I think it was a few years ago, right? And I just love seeing where your podcast has bloomed. And it just has grown so much since then and having so many guests. And I'm just really excited to potentially collaborate in the future now as a guest host and also bring a little bit of my yellow glitter over here and share with you uh, as a part of the Modern Minority family. Awesome. But you are going to keep yellow glitter going, right? Because you've kind of slowed down, it feels like. But I, I hear you might be doing some new things with it. Yes, for sure. I think especially during the pandemic, so many challenges. And for myself, I think the biggest challenge was just the podcast recording amongst all my different guests and just being indoors even more with it. And um, as we expand our podcast episodes this year, we're doing a few episodes in person here in New York City and just having a bit more fun with it. And so really excited to see what other types of content we come out with this upcoming year. That's awesome. So you're expanding format, you're expanding content. What else? Are, are there other things that you're also expanding in terms of the discussions you're having or the, the people you're inviting on? Yeah, so really excited for, at least on the Yellow Glitter front, to be expanding towards more queer Asian perspectives, voices, not just also in the United States, but all around the world, and also on our collaboration together. I have a ton of guests that are not queer Asian identifying that I would love to talk to, and I'd also love to bring them on the show to come chat with us. See, this is why we get along. I... Uh... Yes, your show is queer Asian, and you know, yes, sometimes Sharon and I get like bucketed in to like an Asian podcast, but like you're just a curious guy, Stephen. Whether you're, it doesn't matter who you're talking to, and that's kind of what what really excited me when we were catching up a couple months ago. That you want to take, you want to have these kind of conversations with lots of people, but bringing your queer perspective to the conversation. But it's not just that; it's the Stephen mindfulness perspective, and I, I think that's literally what we get up to do every day with this podcast. That's what keeps me and Sharon going. Yeah. And I think Stephen, after getting to know you outside of even podcasting, like you have, you've inspired me with your mission and your vision to truly make an impact for underrepresented and underserved communities. And, and I think that when we set out to do the show, it was very much about representing 
underrepresented voices, but also for us to examine our own blind spots, right? So even though I'm Asian and I'm female, I'm a majority in some ways, kind of, but I'm, you know, I've, I've got a college education. And so, and I have, you know, I'm, 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 I I find that I'm quite privileged and that I have a, a very loving community around me. And there are experiences that I've had that are very much like probably what, what seems to be normal for many of us. And, and so there are things that I also just have never experienced myself, right? So these are the opportunities where I, I, I love that we're talking to people and we're constantly learning about a different perspective, whether that's having the ability for us to just examine our own perspective and how that could be different from someone else's or, or to hear something new and different that we've never experienced firsthand ourselves. Well, yeah, I think that's what has been the most fun because like oftentimes... And I, that, this literally to me, I think that's like the the ulterior motive I have sometimes with this show is like we have a lot in common, <laughs> you know. Like we might be different, whoever the guest is, who you know, whether it's Sharon or me. But like we also have a lot of shit in common, and I, it's almost like compare and contrast. Oh, why do we have this in common, or why do we both, you know, hate cantaloupes? Right? Like, I think, <laughs> what has cantaloupes done? That's <laughs> okay, the worst. That's like the one food I have like veto rights on in my family. Like you have yeah, to just I, pick the right ones. I'll teach you next time. <laughs> no, no, I've been there, man. He's a melon happening. hater. I think you're, but aren't you also against honeydew? Uh, I can't, no. cantaloupes and honeydew. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's a melon hater. Asian melon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. No, but it's like we have stuff in common and we have stuff not in common. I think if more people just kind of tried to figure those things out, like that's the fun in it, you know. Um, and I think. Beyond why do you hate cantaloupe or canadu? Like, yeah, canadu. Why do you hate cantaloupe or honeydew? It's like, uh, as our other podcaster from Brandon says, you got to ask why three times to get to get to the answer. Why is that? Well, because I think, I think we tell ourselves certain truths and we tell ourselves certain lies, and until you're kind of conf- and you accept them, the more you say them, until you're like truly asked to interrogate yourself on them. Well, why is that? I mean, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, what were we taught? The way our parents, you know, we mirror so much of the stuff that our parents taught us, and you don't realize it till you're older. But why is that? Okay, I see what you're doing. And this is exactly, Stephen, why you're going to make a great part of this show. <laughs> Actually, tell me, I, I got a why question for you, Stephen. Why? I mean, okay, it's cool that, you know, you're going to share your perspective, but why do you, I mean, you got your own thing going over there on Yellow Glitter. You've got more than enough things going. Why do you want to be on our show? I think aside from bringing perspectives of honeydew and cantaloupe into the show, I think there's so many more perspectives that I can also bring with my guests and have interesting conversations. We have a lot of communities that we work with. So for context, I also run a separate uh, nonprofit organization where we work with queer BIPOC creatives. And I think they offer so many perspectives of just the world, creativity. And also, I think just collaborating with other folks such as yourself and other podcasters, this is what keeps me alive. This is what keeps me going. And so I'm super, super excited to collaborate. And for listeners, really excited to continue our conversation together and see what we can create together that hits a nail on the head like it's a it's a soft spot for me it's like there is like the big like you know the ira glass kind of podcaster community and then there's like a bunch of us who are just like i don't know like passion projects that have gotten out of control like just comparing notes and shop talk it's 
And you, you know, run Sharon, like, so many podcasts too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you I get do. sick of Sharon, I go talk to Ryan. And when I get Ryan gets sick of me, I go talk to Drew. But now I have someone else I can talk so to. So Raman is always podcasting. Yeah, he's, he's always podcasting. <laughs> oh my god! It's but no, I the evil genius of it is finding ways to kind of cross pollinate between them. So another person. You know, we're going to be start bringing other guest voices onto this show or bringing content from other shows that we like. Like we just aired Rajiv's chat with Nisha Youssef from from his, you know, talk show. What do you bring to the table? I just think there's like so much opportunity. And like, I don't think Modern and Minorities should be the Robin and Sharon show. Like, I do think it's like a platform. Right. And honestly, when we do it that way, like we do with um, my learnings from leaders podcast, like well, I've got six folks and almost all of us have other platforms and so we bring content in and out from that as well i just as long as they support the mission like i think all the voices more voices and i think I, I think that touches on something really important which is really about our communities and one thing that's really important right is a sense of community collaboration especially as we think about political activism and civil rights movement they're all grounded in community and groups coming together and i think this is really a testament that we are greater than just our individual or creation that we have with one other person that this work is really all of us and i think the more that we can be inclusive of other perspectives voices and just inviting the whole plethora of what is right in your sense the community of modern minorities or those who identify as a part of the community i think we see that it is so far greater than also just through three of us it is so many people i just had a visual in my head of like you know when you go through your contacts and you can merge contact cards because there's like duplicate contacts do you guys see this as people coming together and sort of and and literally it's the same merging concepts concept of reducing the number but making each one more meaningful or is this more like i don't know why i'm thinking computer stuff but like you know grouping files into folders for folks well i think it's uh it's less about categories and it's more about tags right like uh, just to go back to like you know content marketing i Drew and I have certain things in common, but Drew and I don't have certain things in common, but Drew and Steven might have something in common. And, you know, Sharon and Ryan might share something, but then there's something that they don't share. And I think the more of, the, and obviously we do that with our guests as well, and we bring back guests and we kind of shake up the format, but I think it's this, the tapestry becomes richer and stronger, mm-hmm. the more overlap, like the more complex the network, it's kind of like at work, they say, the more people work in an organization, communication becomes harder because there's more nodes around the wheel, right, and touch points. But if you play that metaphor out as like those nodes are pieces of string, the fabric of the tapestry gets stronger the more interactions, the more diverse our interactions are where we can compare and contrast with each other. So uh, the long-term vision to me isn't just, oh, hey, Steven's doing a guest episode, right, or one of, a piece of his content. It's Steven and Sharon doing an episode or Ryan and Ruman doing an episode or Drew and melissa just gonna throw her name out there mm-hmm. right like doing it and we're a group of people like one podcast that i've seen do it really well 
is Crooked Media has a daily podcast called What a Day. It's their morning 20-minute news thing, and I listen to it, and there's a political bent to it. But originally, it was two hosts, the Black comedian, and then like a political wonk. And over time, they started bringing other producers on. So every morning, it's two people, but every week, it's a different pair of people. So it might be Travel, they are a trans advocate, but also just like fucking hilarious, right? And then Priyanka, who happens to be South Asian. And then it's just, they're mixing up diverse voices. And that keeps me coming back because I love hearing the different interactions and the different ways people play off each other. Wait, I have a really nerdy analogy. It's like when (laughs) (laughs) in Lord of the Rings, when they combine the mixed metals together. (laughs) See, all right, this is this is what you and Drew would get along, right? (laughs) You somehow have created the (laughs) most powerful (laughs) ring. Exactly. That's that's exactly what it is, Stephen. When when Roman was saying tapestry, I was like, "Oh, I get it." So this is this is Stephen. This is you putting your your yellow glitter onto our yes. woven our woven fabrics, and that's gonna, yes. it's gonna be a shinier. It's gonna be yeah, a shinier. It's gonna be logo shinier. It's gonna, it's gonna It's gonna glisten. I love that. I love oh that. Oh my god, I hate glitter so much, guys. <laughs> like like literally glitter itself. Like it's everywhere. It ah. gets everywhere. It, it does. It does. <laughs> I have this running, one of my friends, Derek, knows that I just, you know, it's like, ah, it gets everywhere. And so every year for my wife or my birthday, he sends us a card with glitter on it. Oh, that's awesome. That's love. That's love. (laughs) That's love. (laughs) The other thing I've been struggling with, uh, and just, I I do want to talk shop beyond like microphones and stuff with you, Stephen. It's like, um, I mean, I don't know about your show, but like our show, like we're recording this, it's like mid-April. I think this is going to come out somewhere in May. Like we're always... We're not topical because we don't have a production team that can crank it out tomorrow. And so it's really hard for us to kind of jump into the moments when things happen. And, and we've done it a couple of times. And I think our audience appreciates it, but it's super hard to do. Like, how have you, when you get into topics, like, I, I don't know. I mean, your topics tend to be evergreen sometimes. Or yeah. do you try to find a moment to jump in when something happens? Yeah, I think I, I feel you with the whole topical topic (laughs) and how difficult it is because I think with even social media and the impact to news and media, I feel like we in just 24 hours have a whole new life cycle of content discussions. And as like another channel that I have, I have a newsletter that I write and I'll write it early in the week and I'll publish end of week. I sometimes have been in an issue where I'm like, Oh, Wow. Some this, of is my your, content. this is your so much has changed, this is your right? Stack, right? Yeah, this my Substack. Sub- and I was okay. like, wow, it's already outdated. And so yeah. some uh, a practice I've had to do just as a content creator has been to zoom out a little wider. And I think the importance of that is thinking about the just like you asked, right? The larger why, what's happening. And I think that's been able to withstand the test of time versus talking about maybe the factual events that had happened. And I do sometimes have those episodes, but we have to have a runtime of under a week, get that edited, produced, launched, because by the time that it gets out, we just have to make sure it's touching on some of those topics. And so I think with the speed of media and just where everything is even moving towards, even now, right, the integration of artificial intelligence and the way for it to digest information we're just seeing such a faster life cycle. But for the end person, your listeners, our consumers, our human audiences, I think the lesson here also, even for myself, is not to get so stuck in the wave 
of just all the things that's happening, right? There's always going to be something that happens, but the larger vision of what's happening with the world, where do we want to go? I think um, at least as content creators, we get to ask that question every day, but as listeners, I think there's an opportunity to reflect there. Oh, I think that's really insightful, Stephen, because I think one thing I have struggled with on this show is when something big happens, it's usually something very emotional, right? So if there's a mass shooting, if it's yeah. something awful and like every other week, which is, unfortunately mean, has really, yeah. it yeah. really has felt like every other week. And, yeah. and, you know, Raman and I, we, we want to have conversations about those things because it's important. And we know that it's affecting not just us, but our listeners. And I find my, myself always just kind of wanting to pause and process it for myself, you know, before I can go and have a conversation with someone that will be aired publicly. I want to be clear on how I'm even feeling about it or 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 just to process it, just to feel it, to think about it, to reflect on it. And the pressure that you're talking about with having to be so reactive all of the time and and then to be expected to have an opinion about it, it's a very real thing. And marrying that with AI, it's it's been interesting to watch technology not just catch up, but kind of supersede us as humans because technology doesn't have to feel right. They don't, it doesn't, it doesn't have feelings. And so it just, it that's just what you, to, that's what they want you to think. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that whole Microsoft thing where it was making threats to whoever it was that was uh, talking to yes. it? Oh yeah. Asking one of the authors of the article that they should leave their partner. For the well, show. so yeah, that was, I, I think Stephen Roos, uh, who does a podcast that I love mm-hmm. uh, called hard fork. And, but I think I go back and forth with this, like, cause we're not a news podcast. We absolutely don't have like a production budget. And then there's a slippery slope of like, okay, well, if we're going to comment on this, why don't we comment on that? And right. just, I right. feel like every week there's something we could be, but we don't have the production schedule where we're releasing. Like if we had a different show where, I see like other podcasters do this where they do have that 15 minute snippet and then they're like, and now here's our conversation with guest X, right? But they open with that. But again, we're not that show. And I don't know where I do think like this tapestry or this forged metal (laughs) analogy that Steve was saying could work is like in a moment, if we have like a group text, right? Between a bunch of us who are part of this modern minorities family, you're like, yo, this happened. Do we want to, who wants to talk about it? And then whoever's available can jump on. Right. Because, because what I do think the value is, I, I, again, I go both ways on this. Our listeners, maybe they don't want to hear the news from us because they just want almost an escape, like to, to have that bigger picture thought of away from the stuff. That's what I love about podcasts because they're, they're deeper, they're, they're longer form. But on the flip side of it, podcasting is so intimate and Scott Galloway says he knows who listens to his podcast because when he runs into when he runs into a fan on the street, they like talk to him like he's their best friend because he's speaking in their ear three times a week. Um, and so you do want to process these things. You want to hear how your quote unquote friends are processing these things. When events happen, I do want to hear what Kara Swisher has to say about it or Kevin Roos has to say about it, right? Or Casey Newton has to say about it. Like, I don't know, man. I uh well, I think I don't both know if we're can be. To do it yeah, 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 yeah. I think both can be true, right? We hold and suspend one side, which is acknowledging what's happening in the immediacy. But I think the other part, in a sense, just asking ourselves, where do we want to go as a community, right? And sometimes it's so hard to 
also be stuck almost like in the muck. And one one reflection that I've had actually over the past few years has been acknowledging the presence of media and how reactive I started becoming too. And sometimes it's so easy to be a part of the flow and react every single minute, like you mentioned, Sharon. And sometimes, especially if we as individuals, as a part of a community that wants to move forward, I think we all have to, in a way, do the due diligence of asking, well, what do we want to do with this? Where do we want to go? How do we want to bring collectively our community, our people around us? And it's not to say we're ignoring by any means all the things that's happening, but we recognize that it's also a larger systemic issue that has perpetuated for aeons and aeons, talking about school shooting, racism, discrimination, all these things. Well, we do see individual instances where it surfaces and comes to life. We also acknowledge that this is a very large thing that I think requires also large conversation. How do we move the conversations forward? Like sometimes I do feel like we're almost becoming numb to it because it is, Mm -hmm. it's bad news over and over again. And it's similar news, you know, whether it's mass shootings because of race or school shootings now, or I'm not just saying, well, actually not just now, but um, it's all of that's just becoming so frequently, it's just happening so often. How do we as people that are having these outward conversations and engaging experts and engaging other voices, how do we move it forward in a way where people that are listening can feel empowered to then either take action or to educate themselves more about an issue or to participate in a meaningful way. Isn't oh, that like the John Oliver for- effect? Like that's what he set out to do on his new show, right? Mm-hmm. A few years ago. But again, it's kind of in a more of a prankster sort of way, but sometimes <laughs> it's not. It's like, hey, everyone needs to call the FCC right now and tell them why XYZ is fucked up. So I have two tips that I have received from other folks. So one is from my meditation mentor, Don Mauricio, she's amazing. Check her out. She has this adage where you just have to also sit with it and just allow it to be and see what comes up for you. And to just allow yourself to be in the present moment, to acknowledge the feelings that's coming up, right? And then the other advice was from another amazing content creator, Kat Fellows, who talks about community, connection, how we become more integrated. Her advice was acknowledging the fact that there's always going to be so much stuff that's happening around us with about now, what, 8 billion people on this planet. There's going to be so many news and pieces that's happening. And we also have to acknowledge that we can't understand and take in every single bit of news that comes our way. And so her advice was learning to let go of some of that so that we can focus on something larger, something greater, something bigger. What was your vision for why you wanted to get into podcasting? And then what is your vision now that you've been at it as long as we have, honestly, right? Like where you want it to go, like with you as an active participant? Yeah, So podcasting has been so interesting. And I think you both have interesting stories of just like the evolution, but especially as the person on the other side, the creator, it's been quite a journey of going from the first handful of episodes was really more of a monologue of just getting out into the world. What was on my heart? What was I carrying? And if folks listen to Yellow Glitter, the first few episodes, they are a 
one to two hours long of just stories and narratives that I would write out and then voice over it about my life, about what I was going through and my relationship with my family, my queer identity, and having evolved to more of an interview style format where I brought in these interesting voices. And for myself, I think it was this evolution of wanting and this desire to bring in other people who are doing amazing things. And I'm so blessed and lucky to be in New York City where I'm also surrounded by a ton of people who are doing amazing work, community uh, at work in many, many different industries and facets. And I always wanted to have a place where I can bring them. And it's almost like a home, right? This is, the podcast is almost like a home in a way where you're like, hey, come sit, have a meal with me, and let's just have a conversation. And the way in which we do our producing is really to think about it that way, where we invite listeners to almost come and have a sit and have a meal with us. We talk about the things that are really important to us that is calling us and that we want to invite others to have a perspective with us. You know, it's so funny about coming to my home. I was saying coming to my home is I'm not a friend of the pod, Rajiv. So he launched a talk show, mm -hmm. but he redid his garage to be a studio. And so he has a guest come over literally into, you have to, it's in the back of his house. It's a, it's a self-standing garage. And I've been there now in LA, but you come in through his house, have a cup of tea with him first before you even start recording. Then he brings you out to the studio and you sit around and you're part of his home and his family and you might meet his wife and his kid that's beautiful and we're, we're not doing that to be clear like i'm way too paranoid and private but i even think about like the listener themselves we all have habits and i think about like what podcasts i listen to and what moments there's some i listen to while i'm cooking and prepping dinner some when i'm going for my morning walk etc someone i'm driving to go pick up my kids before i pick them up and but it's certain podcasts for certain moments and because of that intimate relationship with the, the host or the platform, I almost associate those people with being with me during that. Like, I do feel like Casey Newton and Kevin Roos, like they are doing dinner prep with me. I do feel like Kara Swisher is going to pick up my kids with me because she's always going to pick up her kids. It's, it's such a weird thing. But when you invite these voices to be part of your life, you are inviting them into your home in a certain way, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, question for you both. How has the journey been like for you getting all the way up to episode 200, which is not an easy feat at all, and just being able to produce on such a regular cadence? I'm sure you've gone through difficulties, burnout. I'm just curious, what has that journey or uh, anything that's pre Present tense. Out? Yeah. Present tense. Not past tense. <laughs> I mean, I think we, we discussed some of it on our 200th or 201st episode where there's there have been a lot of ups and downs and some of the downs have been feeling like we've plateaued. It's also just life in general, right? Like when we started this, it was at the beginning of COVID and it I think everyone had a need, a greater need at that moment to connect. And we were all trying to figure out how to stay connected at that moment because the world had just changed. So podcasting was really interesting at that moment. It was interesting from a listener perspective of not being around people anymore, but still having them in your ear. And, you know, and if you were prepping dinner, they were kind of there with you or there was no picking up of kids, right? Because the kids were home from, 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 uh, yeah, you were escaping from your kids with the podcast. Right, right, exactly. But so it was a great way to 
as a listener to feel connected to more people. And then as a podcaster, to feel like we were hosting these conversations to then help other people connect with each other, especially when the world was feeling so separate. I think that now that the world has kind of returned to normal for the most part, people are really busy again. They are leaving their houses. They are back to their normal day-to-day lives and their jobs. And they are going to the movie theaters now. They're going out to concerts. They're doing so many other things. And so that time that people used to spend sitting somewhere and having the time to then listen, truly listen, has changed. And it's forced me and Raman to think a lot about, are these conversations even valuable anymore? Like, does anyone even care? Who's actually listening? And when we get to those points, it always feels like, okay, well, then should we stop? Should we keep going? And then something will happen to indicate that we should keep going. So like something that came out of our 200th and first episode, Raman, I don't even think I mentioned this to you, is we got an email from Carmen, who was a fitness instructor, a personal trainer that I was working with before COVID. We had done a couple of virtual sessions during COVID and then eventually sort of phased out our relationship. But she was around when we were starting the podcast and she was like, she was like, I love what you're doing. I listened to every episode. She listened to our 200th episode. So hi, Carmen, if you're listening to this too. And she wrote to us and she told us her favorite mom dish because we had mentioned that as like a little hidden plug in our in our conversation. To see if anyone was listening. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see if you were paying attention. And and Carmen emailed us. And this is, you know, 200 episodes later. And Carmen and I actually haven't directly interacted in probably over at least a year and a half to two years. And just having those moments of light has made it worth it. You know, it's been like, wow, Carmen is still listening. And my cousin by marriage, Teresa, is probably still listening. And even though I don't think my mom really listens and we make jokes that, you know, like our email account is hi mom because we're like the only people that are going to listen is are our mothers. I bet my mom really does listen to every single episode. She just doesn't tell me about it. And and just great things happen like that out of just those moments of doubt of whether or not we should keep talking. Yeah. I Again, Sharon's always the positive one. The <laughs> I am. Steven, so <laughs> you can be the mindful middle. Uh, I... <laughs> I go, I go really back and forth. Like it's an emotional roller coaster, like any startup or raising kids or anything. It's like, I think when Sharon and I find our momentum and there was a moment in year first or second year, and again, midway through the pandemic and we were recording a lot and it was, I mean, we were on our, we were just on a roll. We were getting features, every guest we asked, including people we really admired and thought would never say yes. We're saying yes. And just like, yeah, go, go, go. And, um, you know, Ryan and I talk about this on Quarantine Comics off the mic, like when it starts to feel like work, that's when we want to stop doing it. And we've actually made some conscious choices on that podcast to make it not feel like work. Like we really just, we go off on tangents. We don't always talk about the book, right? Um, and that makes the show better. But I, I also think Sharon and I have kind of like hacked our way into a few things like sprints sometimes, like we'll do a bunch and then we'll, we do take breathers. Like, even though I think with podcasts, it's important to release weekly because your audience is, I hope your friend who needs to be in their inbox or their podcast feed weekly, but we can't do this weekly. Like we just can't. And so we try to architect, Hey, I'm going to go on a vacation with the kids. Like I, I think when Sharon and I get really smart about our systems without getting too addicted to the system, it helps us. And on learnings from leaders, my other podcast, Drew and I discovered really quick that we needed to widen the team. And I mean, that's literally a strategy I'm borrowing because it's worked. It makes that podcast 
sustainable and manageable, we still have a producer kind of editorial eye on what we're doing. But the goal is just to make sure great learnings from leaders content is coming out and it's not burning us out. And I, I think we have to architect. I mean, literally, that's why you're here today, Stephen, like with your voice and your content and your ideas, we want more collaborators. Early on, Sharon and I were literally talking to other like-minded podcasters. I don't recall if you were part of these conversations, Stephen, but you were on our list of like, maybe it's like this uh, podcast collective, right? Of various like, like-minded podcasts from different voices. Mm -hmm. And it never happened because some of those podcasts don't exist anymore. Um, a lot of podcasts, a lot of the people who started that we met on the journey have tapered it back, taken a long break, and stubbornly, Sharon and I keep powering through this. But I genuinely believe that collective idea is strong, and we just make our podcast that collective. Like, I, I am not precious about this podcast in the sense that it has to go the way I want it to go, or Sharon, the way she wants it to go, or we want it to go. I, I really think opening this up and making this a platform mm -hmm. is the sustainable way forward. I, I kind of love so many things that you just mentioned. Um, also, hi, Sharon's mom. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, she'll love that. <laughs> yes. And I think, Raman, you just mentioned a few things that I was like, wow, it's so powerful. I, I think the one thing we rarely talk about on podcasts is also the difficulties with just like this work, you know, or just creative work in general. And I work and I talk with so many creatives. And one thing that has come time to time again is how do we sustain ourselves in creating, continue creating things that we're really passionate about? And we go back to, like you mentioned, you have to create a process that you enjoy the journey versus you're doing it all for this giant milestone at the end. And I think as a society, especially with the commodification, the financialization of all aspects of what we do, I think everyone's hobbies have slowly turned into second jobs, third jobs. And we sometimes forget how beautiful it is just to create and just to be in the process and the flow of things, right? Where you just get lost in the joy and the exhilaration of that creative processes. And I'm really glad we're having this conversation because I think, especially for podcasting, people aren't aware that the ones you see that are publishing every week aren't just the host, right? They have a whole team of like 20, 30 people writing scripts, editing, getting guests, all this stuff. And so... I think in a way, I love this evolution of this podcast, which is really just a vulnerability of the creative processes and just allowing us to figure out where we're going, how we're creating from here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want this podcast to be buttoned up. Like, I mean, I think there's some things that have to be like, you know, I'm a total snob and I'm glad you're a snobbier about, about like audio quality, <laughs> but like you are other quite snobby that, about audio quality, Stephen. No, no. I, I think Stephen's nicer <laughs> and quality, he's better at so <laughs> It's important. <laughs> and he's better than us. <laughs> your voice would carry even with your PC mic, dude. It's not even funny. Oh my God. It's true. Yeah. You could wear your AirPods and like, I'd listen all day. <laughs> Well, guys, I think people know Stephen well enough, but I don't know, Sharon, do we subject our new co-host to the speed round? Uh, yeah, and this would be his second speed round with us because we've we've done the original Stephen speed round. So this is the co-host speed round. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Stephen, what is something about you that no one expects that maybe they didn't hear on a previous episode with Stephen? <laughs> 
Well, the the latest one has been I have these like very niche hobbies that I just get into that <laughs> it's usually coming from YouTube. And so during the pandemic, since we last spoke, I got really into slime making. Slime making? <laughs> Will you just come hang not out just... with my daughter? She's obsessed with it. <laughs> really? But not just any yeah. slime. Luxury okay. slime making. So oh, of course, use, like, of course. very <laughs> good quality lotion. So the combination is just glue and lotion. <laughs> it just becomes slime. But I use very high quality lotion that as you use it, multifunctional. <laughs> It moisturizes your hand and leaves a nice, like, peppermint scent. Fascinating. <laughs> it's so fascinating, but <laughs> niche. Have you niche sold? Have you sold hobbies. any at like a farmer's market or something? <laughs> well, the the I'm sure you know ramen, but after like a week with the slime, <laughs> they they separate and they yes. don't look like <laughs> yeah yeah something you want to play anymore. with. No. <laughs> have you ever been to the Slumu Institute? Oh my god! I, I walk past it all the time. Yeah, you go. which one? The you one in Soho? Go. Have you been? I've I've uh, I went to an event there. Yeah, I've been. Um, I forgot what they were doing, but I brought my kids, and you just got to go. It's like it's all about slime and sensory play, and um, Ooh, okay. yeah, you Book can marked. like, and you. So when you talk about luxury slime, like that is the place to go check out. Just so many different ways that you can make slime and be slimed and work with slime Mm -hmm. okay i'll take you i'll take you the next time i'm in the city yeah we're (laughs) gonna go we'll do a podcast about it (laughs) yes (laughs) what is a recent book movie or show that with characters that you relate to Hmm. you know the latest one i don't know if either of you watched it it's on netflix uh with a slew of asian american cast members beef Oh, I've heard about it. It's on my list. Is With it good? Ali Wong. Yeah. Um, it's it's amazing. It's wonderful. And I think it really pushes the boundaries of, especially for the Asian narrative of Asians having to be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the movies and the instances in which you see Asians not being at their very best and just the whole journey of, I think, 10 episodes, you start to really understand the complexities of lives of the whole cast of all these Asian folks. And I think it really, I, I really tremendously resonated a ton with many of the characters in just like the anger that they're showing, the sadness, the, just the whole spectrum. What's the, what's the premise though? Like I know it's about angry Asians was kind of what I had read, yeah. but are they like a family? <laughs> are they friends? Like how does it become a story? Yeah. Not to spoil too much, but it's just a conflict between two Asian folks in the parking lot that just mm. evolves into this constant battle between one another. And then um, kind of the realization of, well, shit like we got we did a lot of we things, got some you know? beef yeah yeah we got some beef and so i it's it's definitely something to watch got it okay okay yeah no spoilers but just yes. i was just curious all right well speaking of beef steven since we last spoke <laughs> not to make this a leading question what's your uh what's your favorite mom dish oh my mom has been making lately for me turnip cake and oh my god so good oh my god she makes it from scratch and she showed me the whole process yes how long does it take how long does it take hours i mean the preparation is basically turnip 
in multiple like ways you have to chop it up dice it and then puree it and then have like turnip slice thin slices and her trick is she's like it has to on your taste buds feel as though you have all these different like um consistencies textures exactly and i was like at first i was like why don't you just mash it all up and then put it in she's like well then it doesn't taste good (laughs) and so (laughs) it's a texture thing it is a texture thing and so when i watched her make it and then i finally ate it i was like actually wow i get why (laughs) the many hours of making it turns into this amazing yet simple dish my daughter makes well so when my wife and i lived in singapore um it's called carrot cake there and we just fell in Mm -hmm. love with it and now uh we pick it up from like chinese grocery stores and my daughter just loves it just loves it because they they sell it prepared and you can just heat it up it's awesome i have a really great place here in new york city that we should go that has very good turnip cake (laughs) yeah let's do that and also good dim sum (laughs) perfect book us me ramen and you I'll be in town, so we can make a date. Yay. Yay. What's your least favorite food lately? Least favorite food lately has been... um, I... I I I used to be a kale queen. Um, <laughs> You're so LA, Stephen. You're so, so LA. LA. This yeah. is my LA roots showing up. Yeah, it's so true. It's just in the past year, I just detested kale. I'm just like I can't look at her. I can't see her. <laughs> over I cannot it. touch She's her. She's everywhere. I'm yeah. over it. She's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like I just yeah no Kale and I are on a break at the moment. You know maybe you need to become an arugula guy or something. I don't know. <laughs> okay, arugula. I'm I'm open to that. <laughs> uh, Stephen, again, it's always fun to ask this to podcasters, but who's someone out there that you still want to talk to on a podcast? Yeah. Oh my God, so many guests. I, I feel like I, I've sent so many outreach to so many people to be on Yellow Glitter. But I think broadly, we're just seeing so many creators just all around the world. And so one thing that I really want to do with Yellow Glitter is bring in a lot of people, a lot of voices from just outside of the United States, the queer Asian diaspora that's globally. And so not a specific individual, but definitely I want to bring in other queer Asian leaders from different countries. I've been working pretty closely with some folks over in Japan. So seeing how we can bring that and some of their experiences and perspectives also into the podcast. I got to ask a question because uh, similarly on a different yeah. um, activist route, I've how do you research those people? Like, do you just like look up news articles? Are there communities that you're part of to find these people? Because that's something I've been thinking about a lot, like uh, specifically the Dalit community, which is the um, the untouchables in Indian society. You know, I had to go do my research on who are those voices. And then like, I don't know, like, how do you find these people or how do you cr- kind of create your list and how can we help? Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I, I think it's just like word of mouth has been the best, really. And I think word yeah. of mouth has been able to cut through the noise of people who might have a 
giant platform, a giant following, but doesn't have as much of a body of work compared to people who are just focused in doing the work. And I think that's the hard part, right? Of people who've been doing this day in and day out and they're like, uh, no time for social media. You don't know where they are. So generally, I've just put the request out there to my listeners, my friends, and somewhere somehow they just trickle in and also for you both like if you ever run into creation folks who have interesting stories like i love to bring them on the show but yeah it's not the most direct answer but just word of mouth but also stories and articles of different movements and things that are happening i'll research the people who are involved who are on the front lines who are pushing for legislation and being a part of the community and then the last one is also certain documentaries that highlight these communities and the work that they've been doing i find that certain documentarians who've done great due diligence do bring to light and do the work of helping publicize certain voices that do deserve the limelight. And so sometimes they've been really, really great sources. I, lo- I love the idea of a true global perspective of what it's like mm-hmm. to be queer and Asian, right? Mm-hmm. New York, Tokyo, London, Sydney, like anywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. And but, but I challenge you outside of the big cities because, you know. True. Uh, yeah. 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 It's I, yeah. I would go yeah. outside of Mumbai, outside of Delhi. Right. What is it like in Pune? What is it like in Kyoto to be yeah. queer? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. They're everywhere. I, you know. They're ever, yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. So great. Last question. You ready for this, Mr. Co host? Yes. What does being a modern minority co host mean for you? The word that's coming up for me is being in community, being with modern minorities and working with modern minorities and why I'm so excited to collaborate together. Well, we're so excited that you're joining us in this way. Stephen Wakabayashi, you've been on our dream list of guests to talk to, and now we've actually got you here on our show to do this with us. It's such an honor. So excited. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Stephen. And for everyone else out there, we're in the beginning of this next chapter of our modern minorities journey. So we hope you'll come along with us. It's going to be great. (laughs) And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review and a five star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three. Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us. Hi, mom, at modmypod.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at modminpod. We'd love to hear from you. That's it for now. I've been Ramin Segel. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. 
at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.